out on the beat like Bow Wow Cone Rolls wanna be Mike Laced up to the top, about to take flight Meet me at the rim? <laughs> yes, I keep it going Yeah, I'm flowing like a prophet I am chosen to fix this world that is broken Here's a lesson better noted We all try to be civil Hashtag shut up and dribble Pledge allegiance to the flag While they emptied out the mag Take a knee for the politics Got him on the knees, now just suck a dick Whoa, no homo Don't choke, get it right, Tony Romo <laughs> Yeah, that was kinda raw, wasn't it? Finesse words all day for the fun of it Nowadays no one cares cause a man can't say and get away with shit No punishment, ah, but don't sit well with me I lost change but it's still incomplete Gotta be more radical than Malcolm Xing out all possible outcomes Trump sparking, school's marksman Got wall fires, that's sparking Can't forget kids are starving But they the only folks marching How much longer will this linger? Stacking problems like Jenga Issues piss life with stingers And I'm out, two fingers Before we start the show We would like to give a special shout out and thank you to all the father figures out there, to the dads, the uncles, big brothers, and the single moms who have to play both mommy and daddy. We, your sons and daughters, your nieces and nephews, your younger siblings, would like to say thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will continue to do. Your efforts have not gone unnoticed. And we would like to take this time to wish you all a happy Father's Day. Back to the show. What's going on, everybody? It's your guy, Lamar, a.k.a. Swag Miser, because I am probably the coolest person on the planet, always polluting the air with my luxurious swag. But with me today, as always, my superstar co-host, Snoopson right here on the left. Hardy boy. Hardy boy right here on my right. How y'all doing? What up, what up, family? Feeling good. It's been a it's been a solid week, man. I, I was kind of feeling to get back to this mic, man. I missed the audience. I can't wait to get this started. Y'all ready for this? We ready. <laughs> we ready, man. For those of you guys returning, we want to thank you guys for all the support, all the love, all the messages that you guys have sent to us. We love it all. We want to thank you guys for tuning in once again. So welcome back. For all of you guys who are just now tuning in, we want to welcome you guys to a great show to the Hardy family where we're just real authentic people who just want to tell it like it is. We would also advise that you go check out our webpage where we have all our platforms, where it'll be on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as all our social medias there. So if you want to learn more information about us we have our web page up so go check us out there so today i know a lot of you guys have been hearing about a special day in history that has somewhat gone unnoticed but we're trying to bring it up to the forefront and as you guys know juneteenth all right so today is a celebration today is a celebration yes we need applause for that one more time we got juneteenth juneteenth for a lot of you guys who may not know about juneteenth or understand what that is Juneteenth is a day in history where the last state, Texas, became a free state. Therefore, the rest of the world, the rest of the country became free. So how this worked was the Civil War started back in 1861. Abe Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1862. It was officially put into effect in 1863. However, not all the states were abiding by this. It wasn't until the Union won the Civil War in 1865 and went down to the last city, Galveston, Texas, where the last set of slaves were liberated. And something I like to apply to that 
is one of my favorite poets, Langston Hughes, does say, I too sing America. So the reason Juneteenth is so important to us is just like the way America looks at the 4th of July, 1776, as a day of freedom. A lot of African-American, Black people, brown people look at the day of June 19th as a day of freedom. So that's why you see a lot of posts and information and celebrations going on about this today is that is our version of the 4th of July. And so a lot of people kind of want to make this a national holiday. And I think that's a great movement going on right now. We need to spread awareness, make sure everyone's educated and knows enough about this. That's a beautiful thing. Yes, sir. Mans came with the receipts today. He said, I got time, <laughs> I got dates. I got to get them all, man. I have more, but you know, we on a time restraint. With yeah. that being said, we should dive in before we get into the nitty gritty, I kind of want to do whatever is on the main headline right now. Of course, coronavirus is still leading the way, leading all headlines of 2020 going on right now. Again, we are bringing you some more numbers, some updates that's going on in the world and within the country. So worldwide, we have over eight and a half million cases, over 450,000 deaths, and four and a half million people have recovered. In the U.S. alone, we have over 2 million cases, over 120,000 deaths, and 900,000, over 900,000 people have recovered in the United States. These numbers are really hard to rattle off. It's a sad thing that's going on in our world. We need to make sure we are staying social distance, following guidelines, adhering to the rules. I know that a lot of states have now moved into phase two, where a lot of gyms and restaurants and things have opened up to make us feel like we're coming somewhere back to normal. But make sure while we're doing this, we're adhering to the guidelines, wearing face masks, remaining six feet apart, doing everything we can to keep not only ourselves and our family safe, but one another safe, okay? We're in this together. Yeah, going off of that, for real, really follow these guidelines because we've seen a couple of states who decided to open up a little early, such as Arizona, California, Texas, and Florida. They have crazy spikes now. They're talking about Florida's the new epicenter. It was in New York, now it's in Florida. So as we continue to move through these phases, just stay safe and healthy with what we're doing and mindful that it's still a major like crisis. Like we're still in a pandemic. So just be mindful of that. <laughs> Great help on that. I appreciate the news. With that being said, I know that we as Americans have been all over CNN, all over the news about what the issues are going on in our world. And we've received so much support from other countries that have viewed us and seen us and seen and wanted to be heard on how they feel about the situations. But at the same time, we need to reciprocate and do the same thing for them. So I'm bringing up just a couple examples. Australia, I know we know that they had wildfires in the beginning of the year. We also need to make note of the aboriginal racism that's going on over, over there. And we also need to make sure we understand that there are deaths happening in the custody of policemen. Also, another one, a big one, Yemen. Yemen is a poor country, one of the poorest countries there is in the world. They're suffering not only from the coronavirus outbreak, but from cholera and a widespread malnutrition crisis that is going on over there, let alone they are still stuck in a civil war. So all I'm saying is they're supporting us and being informed and making their voices known for us. We need to do the same thing and get awareness out there for them to let them know that we are not the only people in the world. They're not alone in this world. We as a human race, we're all suffering. We need to come together and help each other out when need be. This is really uh, touched uh, my man because putting the show together, he was insistent that we 
put them on shout out, man. That Yemen and Australia and the, the inequities that's going on in other countries. We want to make a point that we see you and that we recognize you and that we are supporting you and we want you to also have a better life. So this was important for him to uh, put on the uh, agenda and I'm, I'm glad he did. And it was really important for me because recently, these past couple of years, I've done a little traveling, whether it's for football or just to travel because I have a great opportunity. And one of the places I got to go was Australia. And I kind of got to see it firsthand where it was kind of heartbreaking because I felt as if I was coming to a country and getting away from something that I experienced personally. But to see it again in another country, just as serious, just as bad over here brought light to me. And then just learning about, you know, being informed. I'm out here informing as many people as I can about the issues that's going on here. But a lot of people are informing me about things that's going on in Yemen. So not only those two, there's, there's plenty of other places in this world, Africa, Middle East. We got we to gotta make sure that we're staying conscious of everything that's going on. With that being said, there is another virus still killing us. Oh, my gosh. This one has been years and years in the making. This one has been with us for hundreds of years, this, this virus here, and it's spiking as we speak. What's that virus I'm talking about, Lamar? It is the virus of racism, and not only with racism, but what derives from racism is these ideas of privilege and social norms. And it and it's sad because three weeks ago, the spark plug, the ignited to all this was the death of a man named George Floyd. And the fact that after we do all this, we lay this man to rest, so many new, I don't even want to say incidents, but so many new occurrences have happened and at a rapid pace since then. One of the big names that's taken much of the headlines in the headway is the name Rashard Brooks. But I don't want to just leave it there. I want to make known many other names that have come to with it. The name Malcolm Harsh died hanging from a tree. Robert Fuller, a man, died 50 miles from that man hanging from a tree. Coming back to the East Coast, a man named Dominique Alexander in Manhattan died taken from a tree. This is not a coincidence. A child outside of an elementary school in Houston, Texas, dead, hanging from a tree. That is not suicide. That is a trend. Those are not coincidences. These things are happening. But I won't stop there. A young lady, 19 years old, a Lutoyan Salah, a huge advocate not only for black women, LGBTQ community, and the disability for black people. I don't want to just leave it there. Another young black woman. Uh, Nakia Crawford? Yes, Nakia Crawford, thank you. Running errands with her grandmother at 18 years old, shot at a stoplight to death. I'm not going to leave it there. <laughs> Dominique Fells, a part of the LGBTQ community, found dead. Another one, Rhea Milton, another person, a part of that community, found dead. Wow. And we These don't. Sorry, right, I'm sorry. I know I'm going to let you get in, but right now, this is really frustrating. This is really unsettling because to me, this is more than just racism. This is more than just white privilege. This is more than just a social norm. No, what derives from all this is white privilege, corporate privilege police privilege. All this stuff is now 
ingrained into a system that allows this to happen. All these deaths happen within 10 days of each other. We had nine deaths within 10 days of each other. Common denominator, black people found dead. And to me, I'm sorry, like I said, I'm gonna stick to the script and get back to it. I'm sorry, and it's hit me and I'm really riled out. But it seems the more we expose such things like this, such ignorances in the world, such things that's going on in our country, the more confident the world and the country gets, the more confident we are in being able to murder another person. Another person's life is taken. This is not a video game where you get to make a mistake where you get to shoot a person and they get to respond. It's not a video game where you get to start over. You are taking young, black men and women's lives. There's no redo. There's no, you get another chance, no restart, there's no responding. This is real life. We have stolen the essence. And they, they don't even get a chance. It's just, I don't know, man. It's really, and like I said, it's just so much going on. One of the biggest, and another thing that happened actually that just popped up on my alert right before this is Robert Fuller, his half brother, was killed in a shootout. Allegedly, he drew his weapon first. So now that's the 10th death that has happened. And I know I've said a lot, guys, and I want you guys to come in on it right now, but I just had to make that known. I had to get that out. Because we can't, we can't continue to sit silent on the things that's going on around us at a rapid and a consistent rate. But what's going on is we wouldn't even know about all the headlines, all the news has, has shown us today is Mr. Brooks. Mr. Brooks is all over the, the, the front page. Now, that's one out of that whole laundry list you just laid down to us. And uh, that's what's going on. This is, it shouldn't be, but... This is the new norm, and that's what we're trying to fight against. Not letting this be just a, a day, another day gone by. And uh, the community knows it. The black community is aware of it. It's always happened. But that's what this coalition, this generation, is now exposing, that these things are happening every day. And it's understandable that, like you said, Rashad Brooks, right after that, they set that Wendy's on fire. You can understand why people are fed up and setting things to a blaze. And do I condone it? No, I don't condone it, but I understand the threshold. I understand why they were pushed or there was a tipping point to this. That's what I'm trying to make known is that a lot of actions, a lot of effects that happen come from the cause. It's science. If you push me to the edge, at some point, I'm going to tip over. I'm going to fall. And Rashard Brooks, is a, like he said, is a, I don't want to say the new martyr or the new headway after George Floyd, but yes, he's the, he's the new headline. And I don't understand why we have to make it this. Why do we have to make it a headline? Yeah. Definitely like that phrase, martyr, martyr. Like, we discussed this with a close friend, definitely not a martyr. He didn't go out and kill himself, like go die for a cause. He was actually murdered. So just wanted to clarify that when you said martyr, we that was not the term because <laughs> he did not die for this cause because he was literally murdered. So. Exactly. So the officers have been charged and, uh, you know, of course they got their defense mm -hmm. that, that it was in self-defense and, uh, we just have to wait and see again. And, and, you know, there's going to prolong it. It's going to stretch it out and 
what they're hoping for is that we forget about it and, and, and go back to our normal lives and, and, and allow this just to pass or run its course. That's what the system is, is, is hoping for. But uh, we're not going to do that this time around. Can't allow it. We can't. We can't. We can't allow our focus to shift. What the, what is the biggest things going on? And I felt like this was a very heavy topic. That's why today's episode is titled "Comfort and Being Uncomfortable" because these are uncomfortable things that are going on around us, and we need to bring it to light. Not only let the news bring it to light, we all need to bring it to light and constantly keep it at light until these things get resolved, until we see a true change going on. Kind of going off the Juneteenth thing, I know that a lot of things is going on in Tulsa right now, Hardy Boy. Well, yes. Uh, as the news has reported, the president is going out to speak, have one of his rallies, probably the first one since the uh, pandemic. And he chose Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he would have did it today had we not started flipping tables and had an uproar. So he moved it to tomorrow. And the significant, the backdrop of this, Tulsa, Oklahoma, is also is better known in our history as the Black Wall Street. There were sufficient, self-sufficient uh, community. We had banks, we had grocery stores, we had everything we needed to exist. And the dark, dark side about it or the ugliness that occurred, supposedly black man was in the elevator with the white woman. And when the story came out, he raped the white woman. So of course that set that whole little town ablaze. The white men and women and everybody just started to kill and burn down that whole city. And this was not very long ago, 1921. And uh, so that's the, the ugly dark part about this president going out to speak tomorrow and rally. And the question is, does he accept the fact that black lives do matter? And we're waiting to see if he acknowledges that cause. Yeah, going off of that though, with them burning down the whole black community and us, our prosperous area, that's just really interesting because now people are flipping tables of Wendy's burning down and Target burning down. These major franchises that really don't have nothing to do with like personal families, but when the black, the whole black Wall Street was getting burned down, it was like, y'all, white people did it first. And it's not saying it's okay, but it's just like, hmm, history repeats itself, but it's kind of flipped and now it's a problem. You feel me? I don't know. Right, yeah. No, that's something to think about. Yeah, that's a real thing to think about. And I'm glad you brought that to the attention, how, and one of my favorite things to talk about or kind of use is the idea of history. You know, if you break that down and split it in half, it's the story. It's, it's his story. It's told through their eyes. So as soon as you flip it or bring the reality in it and then, you know, bring it to the forefront again, now it's like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe this is happening. We would never do such a thing and this, that, and the third. But like I said before, the effect doesn't just happen. There's always a cause that makes such things happen. But with that all in mind, there's some great stuff that's come from this. A lot of great news. Uh, I believe the Supreme Court made two big decisions this uh, this past week. Well, the DACA and 
Would you define what DACA? Oh, DACA is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So they want to, they had a big win in the Supreme Court. And right. And, you know, there's, they call them the dreamers. And they are, you know, children that were brought over illegally with their parents, but have been here and flourished and gone to school and become doctors and, and legal assistants and, and lawyers. And as a matter of fact, it's something like 700 to 800,000 of, of these uh, residents that are now had a stay, you know, to stay here in this country. And 30,000 of those same students and, and, and professionals were on the front line with this pandemic as first responders. So it was a big victory for them yesterday, handed down by the Supreme Court to allow them to stay. Now the, the, the fight isn't over, but that was a big relief for those students to somewhat exhale and to be able to fight another day. And the Supreme Court made another decision regarding Title VII for the LGBTQ community. Wanna elaborate on that one too? Well, the LGBTQ community, the victory on that was that there will no longer be uh, workplace discrimination. So they won against that, against workplace discrimination. So that was huge. And uh, we, again, all of us in, it, in this together, and we're going to continue to march and get this done. Yep. Great, great, great. And again, today is Juneteenth. We want to bring such recognition and celebration to the day, but we want to make sure we're always speaking on the issues that are going on in our in our world and our lives, and also addressing the positives that are coming from it. To make things lighter, let's jump into some Hollywood stuff. Dave Hollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> Dave Chappelle released a concert or a show uh, titled 846, and it's on YouTube. I think it's on the Netflix YouTube, and you can watch that. It's a great show. He's, he elaborates on a lot of the recent events that are happening today, as well as called a lot of people out, called a lot of names out, and recognized a lot of names as well. So we'd advise you to go check that out. Also, Hassan Minaj, a pretty conscious comedian from the Middle East, he has a Netflix series out called The Patriot Act. There's a couple of episodes in that a series of shows that he has that are really that really stand out. Probably one of the most recent ones is 11 Minutes. And it just, again, it talks about the recent activities that have been going on with people of color within America. Any other shows that's out there anybody want to elaborate on? Uh, y'all know we got to take it back to Insecure. We finally came up on the season finale. We had a lot of big reveals in the show. Uh, one of the main ones was we got to dive into postpartum depression, which with one of the main characters, Tiffany. And I kind of enjoyed this episode because we kind of, they gave the audience a taste of it earlier in the season during Issa's block party. But in this episode, we really got to dive directly into postpartum depression because it was a whole episode of just finding Tiffany. Like she went MIA, wasn't answering her phone. And then they finally found her in the hotel and she was just run down, like didn't look like herself. You could tell she was bothered. And I think it's really important to shine light on because postpartum depression is very common in new mothers. So you're all excited about having the baby and then it comes and your hormones are all knocked off. The baby's crying. You got to figure out how to get on a schedule with them. And then you just, it's just 
constantly toying with the baby. So I think that was really important to shine light on for new mothers going on in the world. Cool, cool. And uh, as she stated, this is the final episode. So check out my my favorite joint, The Shy. That's coming back. And if any of you old heads remember The Wire, you know what I'm talking about. That's Omar. The shy. Omar. The Shy is, is, is gritty and it's straight to the head. So again, we're going to say we hate to see it insecurely, but uh, we're going to happily bring in The Shy. You know, they can only give us one at a time. We'll take it. <laughs> Also, we want to keep Brad Jordan, formerly known as Scarface, the rapper, in our prayers. He is currently suffering pretty badly from COVID-19. Um, it's truly attacking his immune system, and we, we want to keep him in our prayers as we, you know, continue to move forward and fight this pandemic and, you know, spread love to everybody. Scarface also, from the ghetto boys. Shout out. Also, going back to Amanda Seals, the actress who plays Tiffany on Insecure, she is the host for the BET Awards next Sunday, June 28th at 8 p.m. There's some claps. BET Awards. Yep, yep, yep. So make sure you guys show love, go support. Make sure we get that out there, spread the word around. So while we're on the topic of awards, the ESPY Awards are coming this Sunday um, at 9 p.m. So this Sunday, what's tomorrow? What's Sunday's date? June, what's today? 19th? June 21st. Yep. This Sunday, June 21st, the ESPYs, and that's hosted by Russell Wilson, Megan Rapino, and Sue Bird. Oh, I was going to say, uh, Sierra let Russ out the house, but it's going to be virtual. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, uh, Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino has been in the news lately um, regarding something that she did back in March. She actually knelt during the anthem in a match for the USA women's national soccer team. Took a knee. Took a knee before the match. Before doing that, she consulted with her one of her teammates, her African-American teammates, Crystal Dunn, and she asked her how she felt about it and if she wanted to partake in it. Crystal Dunn said she was in full support of this movement. However, she did not partake because she was worried of losing her job and as she stated, it would look different if a black girl had did it. Wow. So keep that in mind when you come across the news there and you research that some more and learn more about it. Megan Rapino, of course, consulted her black teammate, which was a, a great thing to do. I applaud her for that, making sure she talks and, you know, gets an approval. But, you know, everyone should definitely do some research and dive into Crystal Dunn's response and why she made that response. I think that's an important thing to kind of learn about. Also, the other host, Sue Bird. Sue Bird is a major advocate for the WNBA. She's done a lot of great things in helping them get their pay rates, their salaries raised, but also has been helpful in being the player, being part of the Players Association and getting the league started back up. 22-game season this upcoming 2020. Nothing is truly set in stone yet. I know a lot of them are saying that they would like for the players to report to their owners by the end of June. That way we can get the season started up and running by the end of July down in IMG Academy in Florida. Who's currently the champion? Oh, you already know who it is. Representing the DMV, the Washington Mixtis, baby. Okay. Uh -huh. yeah. Make some noise. Okay. I'm just making sure y'all know where we are. DMV reps everything. In case y'all didn't know, the Nats also won too, so we got to double it up again on y'all head. Wow.
And since I'm being extra, and this probably won't ever happen again, I'm gonna take it two years ago and tell y'all that the caps want it on y'all head. <laughs> so much respect on that trifecta. We can't talk about the rest until the Wizards. That's gonna be embarrassing. We're just gonna leave that at that. We're gonna be happy with what we got and keep it pushing. But yeah, speaking on the Wizards, and last week we actually said the Wizards made it into the playoffs, crazy as that can be, the NBA. The NBA is making similar movements as the WNBA. One of the biggest things is they want their players to also report to the owners so that way the season can resume by the end of July. But there's some pushback on this season, man, coming to the, uh, you know, the season coming into effect. The big pushback is Steven Jackson, the lookalike for um, George Floyd. Yeah, it's the said it's the said twin, self-proclaimed twin. That's 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 what they say about each other. He's concerned that LeBron gonna get all the headline and the cause of the movement will be pushed to the back burner. I I must say I, I feel him on that. You know, all we're gonna be talking about is how many points LeBron made and what kind of threes uh my man hit and just allow the movement and what's currently going on to be just, you know, it'll be pushed back. We know that's how it goes. So he wants us or he wants the players not to play. He really wants them to sit this one out so they don't overshadow the movement. And And Kyrie Irving is a big advocate with this as well. He's trying to get a lot of the NBA players to fall in line and move with this. Him, Dwight Howard, and a couple other names that are out there really saying that what's going on out in the streets is more important than us being on the basketball court right now. Yeah, I for sure agree with them. I'm not even on the fence about this. Like, it's talk about, oh, they can use their platform now to make it a bigger thing. But we've already worn I Can't Breathe on our sweatshirts. We already been doing all this and we're still here, what, two, three years later. So I feel like we could actually do what that lady said, shut up and dribble. We not going shut up and dribble. We going to talk and be out here advocating and stuff. And we don't need to be dribbling because like y'all said, it'll put it on the back burner. Wow. But I don't really do sports like that. Hey, man. That's my input. Tell us how you really feel, right? I like that. I like that, man. You, you. I like the consciousness behind it. But yeah, like he, like you said, and I understand both sides that you know that one side believes that it'll be a distraction, the other side believes that we can do that. But like Saran said, we've done that. We've been there before. You know, maybe not to as serious or to this point, but I think it's important that we take advantage of the opportunity in the moment that we have now. Use this time and use our platforms to drive it home. I believe that yes, we do need to kind of keep you know keep our foot on the on the gas pedal and keep going, keep driving it home. Because like Saran said, and like my dad said. Once we start playing basketball, yeah, it could be one game, but it'll be on ESPN. We'll break down all 48 minutes of that game on ESPN for the next 24 hours, for the next week. And then the social movement and the social justices that need to happen will get pushed further and further back because people are looking for a sign of relief. They're looking for an escape from all this being pushed in your face. But at this time, we we cannot, we, we probably really can't allow that to happen because once we allow an escape... Yeah. And as Uncle Marvin said, going 100 miles an hour, can't stop, why? I ain't got no brakes. Exactly. So we can't get off their next So let's hope that LeBron sees this and is aware of this. And I'm not certain how, but hopefully he has a plan in order to force the owner's hand and to keep them conscious and to keep this on the forefront. So we got to hope and believe that these guys got a plan, you know, 
on how to keep it relevant because, like one of the players say, what was his name? He says it Bronco. Oh, Patrick Beverly, and Patrick Beverly is probably one of the most outspoken, real persons I like. But he was real about it. He was like, he's, I respect everyone's movement and everyone's thoughts, but we all know, and LeBron said, we playing, we playing. And they don't call Bron King jeans for nothing. So, like they said, yeah, we definitely need the owners. I don't think I've heard too many owners from any sports really voicing their opinions on what's going on. So we really need you know, some more help there and some more push there going forward. In the NFL, though, Roger Goodell has been advising teams to look to sign Kaepernick. What? The way he stated, he said he would like them to assign a team. I don't know if I like that word, assign a team. I think it's almost kind of too late. We waited too late. It's as if we finally have seen Kaepernick and now trying to make amends and reconcile for the action. But it's too late. And they haven't really given him a direct apology yet. You know what I'm saying? We've still danced around that. We haven't really addressed him by name yet. Right. All right. That right there, assigning him a team. Well, you wouldn't believe Trump even said he would love to see him back on the field if he can play. So wow. that there you have it. America, again, doing what it do. And uh, we all know the outcome from there. But I wish him well. They say he has, you know, come out in another cause and he's in the front office right now conducting another cause. But I don't know if I want to see him back on the field, to be honest with you. I think he can do more for us behind the scene now that his name is out there and that he was the guy who started it all. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. That's that's some heavy stuff right there. But yeah, I agree that he probably should stay out of the league and keep pushing this where he is now because now we, we see him as something bigger than football now. There's, there's more to it. So I, I agree with you on that. So before we close, like I said in the last episode, we always want to leave you guys with something to take home, some take home, some homework, something to think about for the next week until you get to come back around to us. Probably one of the biggest things we want you to take home is the idea of the talk. The talk? Like the birds and the bees talk? No, not that one. It's the talk. The talk is, right now, is is the black parents. The black parents have to have this talk with their son. It's very dark and it's very, uh, it's alarming because it's part of the upbringing. It has literally been put in the handbook, upbringing a black man or your son. And the reason it's there is because when he walks out of the door, you send up your prayers and you keep your fingers crossed that he will come back. So the talk is where we sit our young men down and tell them how they should react if they are approached by a police officer. Just know that this is a very vital part of the handbook now of bringing a black man in America. And I think that a lot of us who are listening, make sure you guys go learn about a recent incident that happened with Ryan Clark, a former NFL safety with the Pittsburgh Steelers. His son had a recent incident and it almost, well, it didn't almost, it broke him down to see that this situation could have went left as a black man in America. And then as a father or a parent, a black parent, you know, you can, you can only prepare your child for so much, but you know, the world is always going to find something. It's always going to have a, another scenario to bring to the table. And I think that's important. So make sure you guys all go check that out, look that up, make sure you guys learn about that as well. But also within the talk, I think the talk should expand past just black families, brown families. It needs to now make its way to white families, 
I know that for them, that may have never been in their arsenal. It may have never been a need, but the way things are today and the way we have kind of grown together, like I've said before, I have many white friends. And to me, once you accept me to be a friend of yours, you inherit you know, any other burdens that I, I may come with. So you need to educate yourself and know the things I'm facing, know the history. I know it is difficult because it's like saying, I'm an American, you know, I live in America, but I know French, but I, there's no French people here. So why do I have to continuously be proficient in French if I'm never going to come across a French person? But today we need to be more proficient on black history, black culture, everything that's going around, because being a black man in America, I'm just as proficient as white people on their history. I know everything about their history and everything about my history. I know as much as there is to need to know in the world, because like my dad said, ra- that's part of the talk, raising a black man in America. So you got to always be on your P's and Q's at any given moment. Walking out this house, and Breonna Taylor's a case, you don't even have to walk out the house. But just making sure we're always educating and constantly learning what's going on around us with our neighboring friends and families. Right. Black and white and brown brothers and sisters, man. We just we just need to be more uh, conscious of one one another. And yes, we are different, but that's the beauty. We are the same when it comes down to love and having, you know, a family and doing what is right. That's basic. That's that's one on one for everybody. So, again, we just want to be conscious and respectful of one another and we're going to be all right. Yep. Yep. And then the second thing uh, for you to take home is, you know, dive into local businesses and organizations that not only support black business, black movements, but social movements and organizations as well. Yeah. I think you have one, the ACLU of Maryland. Yep. They are. What is that? The The American Civil Liberties Union. Right. And they combat discrimination. It's it's a, a national organization. But each one of your states should have a charter that you can uh, contribute to and uh, seek information from and, and support. So we want to be mindful of our local organizations. We don't have to go for the big time ones, you know, nationally on TV and all that. Your local ground roots uh, organizations are really valuable as well. Another one is the color of change. They our movement to end police violence. And like he said, we need to work on the ones locally within our communities, because if we can work on the ones around us within our homes all together, then as a unit, when we all come together as one, everyone is now working together for a bigger goal. So that's those are the two things. And this is not really one thing, but this is just a reminder just to reiterate, please, please, please register to vote. Please go out and vote at your local and state polls. We need to make this happen. Again, Virginia, we are June 23rd. So make sure you are putting that on your calendars. You other states, make sure you're researching and learning. If yours has passed, it has passed, but make sure you guys are on top of that and being ready. Again, we have those coming up and then we also have the big one coming up in November. So guys, make sure you guys are educating and preparing yourselves for these big polls coming up. Harder, I think you have one last thing you wanted to say before we conclude for the day. Yeah. Also, I need to go back to the initial intro on our debut debut show. I was introduced as Gator and Gator Bait. Well, I kind of knew it, but it has been brought up again and because of the, the consciousness. 
that Gator Bay has an ugly, ugly past and depiction historically. Shout out to West Coco, Florida, where it all started. But, you know, as he, you know, Lamar asked, where did you get the name? How did you get that Gator, Gator Bay? So as I stated, a little boy running around in Florida and, uh, you know, I had a big head. So I enjoyed the lake that was right in our community. So I stayed in the lake, you know, swam all the time. When we played basketball, we had this court. The ball would roll in the water, believe it or not. Everything was beautiful. We talking about the 70s. So everything was good. So I would go get the ball. You know, I was brave enough. I knew I swam a little bit. So I would go get the ball. So kids are evil. So we would play, you know, just above the water, shallow water. And I was tapped with Gator. And everybody has a nickname if you're from the hood. So everybody gets a nickname, and that was my name, Gator. So and a, a term of endearment was, endearment was, hey, Gator Bait, what's going on, Gator Bait? And uh, we have since learned that the dark, dark side of Gator Bait used to be that in history that the white man would take infant babies or little infants and sit them on the shores of lakes and river streams and all that. And that would attract alligators to come up out the water, come ashore to eat the little infant babies. And the white man would then use that in order to hunt alligators. So they would use infant babies as bait, gator bait, to hunt and kill alligators. And I, I can neither confirm nor deny this, but as of today, I would no longer be referred to as gator bait. So that's ugly. And while I'm on, on a roll here, I have a little story that I want to tell. Please indulge me. This year, Saran got to do spring break with two of her girlfriends in South Beach, and I was the Uber driver, right? Great time, right, Saran? Good times only. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we got out of there just in time because as we were burning out, they had shut down the bridge coming into South Beach. So it was it was crazy. But this particular time, we stayed about, you know, 30 minutes outside of Miami at Homestead Air Force Base. We did South Beach all day and came to the base to shower and get back out there for the night, right? Well, this is this particular evening, 8 o'clock, we arrived at the gate. Mind you, the active duty military maintains the gate during the day and a private security form firm has to do it at night. So the security guard asked for my ID and I hand it to him and then he says, I want to see everybody's ID in the car. So I'm like, wow, really do? So, you know, we got beach wear on, everybody's around them still got, you know, they beach wear on, I got on, everybody's sweating hot. So two of the girls did not have the IDs on them and, you know, we left them in the room. So I say to the security guard, sir, I'm a retired military and these are my daughters and we are down from, you know, VA for spring break. We stand right there in the base and the building was a block away. You could see the building from where, you know, the front gate. This is how small homestead Air Force Base has gotten after the incredible tornado they survived, you know, some years ago. So this guy says, nope, I need to see everybody's ID. So pull over there. Someone has to go get the ID cards. So here I am, military retiree with three young ladies, all of us in beachwear. I'm like, wow, really? So Saran apparently pulled a short straw. So she goes and gets the ID cards. 
like I said, the quarters is just right there a block away. You know, the little it's summer night, hot South Beach, Florida. And so the the base is well lit, so it's not, you know, nothing nothing scary. Just to run, I don't wanna walk. Who wants to walk a block when I've been out all day? So she walks, she goes and get him. And after about 10 minutes, as she walks back, another security guard walks up at the same time and asks, what is going on? And I tell him, I say, I'm a retired military down for spring break with my daughters. And she had to walk to get her ID card for us to enter the base. And immediately the black security guard yells out, I did not tell them they had to walk. <laughs> what? Clown. So you telling me how else we were supposed to get the ID? You were gonna trust me to drive my car and get the ID and come back and show you not. So this is systemic racism. I guarantee you, if I was a white man, retired military with his three daughters, that they would not have been detained and made her go and get her ID card. We should have been in the room chilling, but because we were detained, we are now at his discretion, our mercy, praying to God that he shows us mercy and nothing pops off because it is at that moment that we are at risk. It does not matter what color the security guard or the officer is because the system says when you encounter a white man, you do this. And when you encounter a black man, you do that to them. If they ask why they are being detained, you kill them. If they resist arrest, you kill them. If they run, you kill them. Black lives matter. Yeah, wow. We actually, I was thinking about this last night because that really could have went left. When he said he had detained them, if I was, in that 10 minutes I took to walk to the building and to come back, if my dad would have been like mouthing off or like, just continuing to question him, agitate him type stuff. I could have came back and he could have been on the curb, jaw broken or just getting arrested. Like it could have went so chaotic. And that's just really crazy that this is the, that's the systemic racism that we're dealing with right now. It's just a blessing that, you know, they're still here to this day. Nothing went bad, especially in the times that we're in. And I think that kind of leads into a perfect segue into ways we kind of want to close our show kind of from now on. There's a great gym that we hold dear to in, in our house, Serenity. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And with that, two fingers, peace and love. Two fingers, two up, two down. Two fingers, deuces. We out. How much longer will this linger? Stacking problems like Jenga. Issues piss life with stingers. And I'm out. Two fingers.